Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite clear aligners are doctor directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. I'm John Fugelsang. This is Sirius XM Progress. It was a good day for good records 50 years ago today. Let's go to the phones really quick. Marie in Atlanta. Good evening, Marie. Welcome. You're on Sirius XM. Hey, John. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yes, it was a good day for music, and it was a bad day for Donald Trump. <laughs> Ooh, today was a bad day for Donald Trump, but that means it's a good day for the Angels. And, and you know, today wasn't the worst day he's had. I I, I actually kind of feel like yesterday with the Iowa caucus, I mean, mm-hmm. boy, the media acted like that was the greatest victory of all time, that he won by 2,000 votes. He's the incumbent president, and slightly more than half of the people who bothered to show up went for him. It didn't really feel like a crushing victory. I mean, I know... <laughs> If Ron DeSantis and and Nikki Haley became one person, which isn't that hard to imagine, it would have been a two-person race where Trump won by a narrow four or five points. Yep, exactly. Well, and not just that. I mean, think about it. Remember, this is the guy who told people, if you're sick, get out on the roads. It's okay if you die. Well, apparently not that many of them thought it was worth dying for. Not that many of them. Do you know... 93% of registered Republican voters in the state of Iowa did not vote for Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. 93%. 86% stayed home. 14% showed up. 7% for the other two. 7% for comb over Caligula. I mean, maybe that's great, but when you're the incumbent president running for your second term and you only get slightly more than half... Bring it on, man. There are so many Republicans who will vote for Joe Biden because so many Republicans voted for Joe Biden last time, which is why he won the White House and then lost seats in the House. And we had to wait a month to find out who won the Senate because a lot of conservatives will not vote for this man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I have to tell you that when the judge was excoriating Alina Haba, oh, my God. 
It was, it was pretty painful. rough today. Yeah, I, I mean, oh. I'm, I spend my life looking forward to things like a judge excoriating Alina Haba, but boy, I mean, he humiliated her so much in front of Trump, there's a chance Trump might not be happy about it. I mean, you'd normally think like the judge, you know, debases you and you think, oh, good, we own the libs. <laughs> but like he was, I thought the judge from what I read, there's no tapes, but from what I read, it seemed like the yeah. judge was communicating to Donald Trump that he had paid for very bad lawyering. Well, no, he was communicating to the lawyer that she was doing very bad lawyering. Oh, I know that. Because, yeah. You know, as I was as I was recounting, you know, the blow by blow to a colleague of mine who hasn't really had time to pay attention to the news. When I told her about the first thing about him correcting her for speaking objections from her seat, federal court is very different from state court. State yes. courts tend to be a little more loosey goosey, but you always should assume that they're not. But federal court? Oh, no, 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 no. There's a dress code. And yeah. you stand to voice an objection. And she was trying to do this filibustering type of objection type thing, which, no, in federal court, you start with what's the basis? Objection, mm -hmm. hearsay. And then you can explain it, but you don't stand up and say, Your Honor, he's testifying to blah, blah, blah. And then apparently... The poor child must have gone to the night law school at the law school of <laughs> law and order because she didn't understand that you can't introduce facts as an attorney. Like you can't stand there and ask them and say to the witness. Now, we know that Mr. Trump has uh, been in business for a very long time. Right. The judge had to correct her because she's she is essentially testifying. We see that stuff on television all the time. Yeah. Hence the law and order crack. But bottom line, when you go to law school and pay attention, you're supposed to know what you can as an attorney say and what you can't say, what you're supposed to get out of the witness and how. Because she was yeah. trying to impeach the witness using the transcript and didn't know how to do it, like literally didn't know the mechanics. First you do this, then you do that. And apparently so, at the, the second time this afternoon, he said, we're going to take a break. So yeah. that you can refresh your memory about how to, I think it was authenticate a document or something like that. And mm -hmm. what he's really saying is, when I come back on this bench, you better have called your law school professor and gotten somebody. Can I, to can I read you what he too. said? He said specifically, let me quote Judge Kaplan. He said to her, no, mm -hmm. we are not going to read out loud a document not yet in evidence. We're going to take a break right here to 3.30 and you're going to refresh your memory about how you get a document in. I mean, ooh, it was Colder than the oh Trumps' God. home on their wedding night. It was, I mean, wow. And then he went after her uh, again because she tried to get the trial delayed so Trump could go to his mother-in-law's funeral, you know, because he cares a lot about that, which is why he's been campaigning for president. Exactly. <laughs> he's in fucking Iowa the night she died, but he's he has to put his trial on hold. And, I mean, this judge would not even, he would not even entertain the conversation about that today. Just said it's denied. No, Sit down. Well, no, what, what she was asking for a continuance when it, it's one thing if he was a criminal defendant, and this is this is not a criminal case that's currently being tried. It's a civil case. Right. A criminal defendant does get the right to be in there in the court. Now, you know, the judge does have some leeway as far as whether they could say yes or no to that. Generally, in a criminal matter, a judge won't say no. Um, but in a civil matter, A, he doesn't have to be there. B, he doesn't have to testify. Mm. You know, so him, he is not being precluded. The judge didn't say you can't go. The judge said you are free to go. You're free to stay. But by the way, if you stay, quit making all that noise and carrying on and doing things that are meant to sway the jury. Without uh, correct. Hand. Correct. But 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 Haba did ask him to pause the trial so Trump could go to Melania's mother's funeral. And he just said the mm -hmm. application is denied. I will hear no further argument on it. And she wouldn't 
she kept putting up and he, he said, D- none. Do you understand that word? Sit down. And she said, I don't like to be spoken to that way, Your Honor. <laughs> Counselor, have you ever in your experience seen a lawyer say that to a presiding judge? Wait a minute. I don't like to be spoken to in that way, Your Honor. Precious. Let me tell you something. I, I, I want Alina Haba to live in my beautiful golden brown skin for just <laughs> two trials. Let me give you two trials, and I can tell you which two judges. Two trials? Let's make it one there. trip to the DMV and see how she's treated. Jesus. Go down there and stand with this beautiful golden brown skin and hear some of the things said to me when I was right. I wasn't even mm. doing something wrong. And wow. a judge just decided, I don't feel like hearing from you. And shut me down. It's a one more word, counselor. I'll hold you in contempt and call the bailiff. Wow. What do you do? I mean, I was in the right. I was arguing something that was an absolutely on point, legally sufficient. You know, judge didn't want to hear from me. Mm. Um, those things happen. And telling her to sit down. Yeah. Can I just tell you? So I mean, if that's all he said, as opposed to clearly you did not pass the bar legitimately because you wouldn't be here doing (laughs) that if you did. Well, uh, let's be fair. He didn't say ho sit down. So let's give him some some points for that, because I would have just said ho sit. It's right there. Ho sit down. I say that to men all the time. So (laughs) I I, I admire his uh, judicial restraint. Yes. Yes. Well, and you know what? For what it's worth. The good thing is that Trump actually made the mistake of telling on himself when he said when when the judge said to him, you can't control yourself. And Trump shot back with neither can you. He he essentially (laughs) admitted the game here is to make you respond. Yeah, that's here to make you react. The more trouble he gets in, the more he can play victim, the more he can fundraise off rubes who drool on the clicker. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful thing. Very true. Marie, great to hear from you. Thank you for keeping the law safe. You're the best. (laughs) Hey, I want to play a really quick clip before I bring on the God Squad. Julie Mason, our good friend over at SiriusXM POTUS, she was talking to the dimmest member of your Senate. Yes, that's Ron Johnson. I know you guys want to say it's Tommy Tuberville. I'm sorry. Tommy Tuberville has just showed up. He's rookie of the year. He's not the stupidest. You, you can Anyone can show up and be really stupid their first year. But Ron Johnson's been walking the line of dumb as a bag of dildos for a decade, America. He's on that wall. And she asked him today about House Speaker, that deep, deep Christian, Mike Johnson's latest rhetoric on border and immigration policy. Let's hear from the fine Christian Ron Johnson. I was uh, confused today when Speaker Mike Johnson, no relation, uh, said now is not the time for comprehensive immigration reform. What's going on there, Senator? Well, it's not time for comprehensive immigration reform. It's time to secure the border. Mm -hmm. And that's the point he's making. We've always stumbled on comprehensive immigration reform. The problem with that is that's what Ronald Reagan did. And he did it in good faith. And, you know, he, he agreed to grant amnesty to you know, migrants that came into this country illegally in exchange for a secure border. They got the amnesty, gave it to a lot more people than they anticipated to give it to. They never got the secure border. So, you know, this has happened time and time again, and Republicans just can't be Charlie Brown to the less Lucy one more time. I'm all for legal immigration reform. Set up a functioning system. Mm. But you can only do that when you have security and control over your border. Can you imagine if Republicans had a secure border? If the border was secure, 
They'd have to come up with ideas for policies that would help people in this country. They don't want a secure border. You can have a secure border in one month. You lock up the white people doing all the hiring at supply and demand. You lock up some Caucasians who are dangling jobs. You take down that gigantic help wanted sign at our border. You will see the border crossing stop. Our economy will also collapse and a salad will cost $75. But these are Trump supporters. They don't eat salads. For more, let's go to the God Squad, the holy rollers that class this show up every week. Keith Giles is a former pastor who left the pulpit to follow Jesus and start a house church where no one takes a salary. And 100% of all offerings are given to help the poor in his community. He's written some great books, including Jesus Untangled, Crucifying Our Politics to Pledge Allegiance to the Lamb. And he's the co-host of the Heretic Happy Hour podcast. Keith, welcome back. I am so glad to be here, John. Thank you so much for having us back. So glad to have you, sir. Dylan Cruz is a terrific writer and theologian and permaculture enthusiast from Lancaster, PA. He enjoys connecting to his bioregion through hiking, photography, permaculture-related endeavors. He's a terrific writer. His book is Theological Musings, Volume 1. It's a bunch of essays going from uh, a wide variety of contemporary politics, but it covers social environmental concerns in the U.S. and around the world. This man is so smart and moral, it makes me nervous. Dylan Cruz, welcome back. Good to see you. Thanks for having me, Todd. Appreciate Thank it. you, sir. Thank you. And Pastor December Rose Waddleton is with us. She is an author, poet, spoken word artist, and former pastor of the Restoration Center in Greenville, South Carolina, and the Rock Worship Center in West Union, South Carolina. She is also the author of the truly spiritual book, The Church Can Go to Hell. Pastor, <laughs> pastor Waddleton, welcome back. It is so good to see you. Hey, boo. I'm glad to be back on the show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and thank you for being had. So let, let's talk a little bit about the immigration issue. Whenever I, I deal with a right-wing fundamentalist Christian Trump supporter, and we talk about the fact that Donald Trump has nothing in common with Jesus, usually the first topic I go to is immigration. I mean, mm -hmm. you, there, there's so many areas you could go to to show how Trumpism and Christianity have no overlap, but I'll start with Jesus's command in Matthew 25 to welcome the stranger and how Donald Trump has taken that command and used it as toilet paper. I mean, Keith, what do you think of Ron Johnson's little statement there? Well, um, yeah, it's it's troubling, isn't it? I mean, really, it's it, on the one hand, they they're walking this line. It's this huge problem. It's the greatest, biggest problem we have in the world. Oh, but we can't fix it now. <laughs> Always, because as you said, it's this—it's uh, one of these what I call shiny red buttons. That's that it. They well, you just heard, you heard, it out. heard said when he said no comprehensive immigration reform, secure the border, meaning yeah. do nothing and vote for Donald Trump. That's yes. what he said. We have yeah, to do the, nothing because if yeah. we do something, we can't use it against Biden. So we need right. more migrants across. So we're going to do nothing and say secure the border, and secure the border means vote Donald Trump. Yeah. And, and again, it's that double speak, right? Where on the one hand, it's this really huge problem. We have to stop it immediately, but not immediately. Uh, let's just wait and vote for Trump. Yeah. it's And again, it's, you can see it's very, very transparent. They're using this as this political football. Um, and I hear, I've heard this for so long, this idea that immigrants are a drain on the economy. They're taking mm. our jobs. Um, we need to build a fence or build a wall. We need to deport all of them and all that. But here's the, the, the truth. Uh, is that, uh, that that's the opposite of reality. The reality is actually, and there's a Wall Street Journal article um, that talked about how there was a survey of 46 economists that showed that immigration has been very, very good for the U.S. economy. Oh, of course it has been. Of course yes. it has been. We have an and economy that depends on They that pay taxes, undocumented yes. people pay 
billions with a B in state and sales and local taxes every year. And immigrants and illegal immigrants, both groups, commit crimes at a lower rate than natural born citizens. Cross the borders. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. And you know, and when I when I voice this as again a, a sort of a progressive Christian, and I say no, we as followers of Jesus, we shouldn't have this kind of hardline um, attitude towards people that are undocumented. Again, there is no such thing as an illegal person. So there's no illegal right. aliens, illegal. You know, yeah. they're not illegal. They're they're human beings. But they need um, a slur. Voice, they needed they needed dehumanizing uh, slur so we don't think of these as Christian refugees or even people. That's right. And that's the point, too, is that most of these refugees actually are Christian. They are they are Catholics or they're Christians and they're, they they're are. seeking asylum, but they're, they're being turned away. And, well, uh, but so, they're the wrong color, too. I mean, we've talked about this before, Pastor, but you yeah. know, the majority of undocumented immigrants are not brown people who crossed a border. They are people who overstayed their visas. There's 50,000 right. undocumented illegal Irish in this country, and you will never hear a Republican talk about their plan to get the undocumented Irish out. They don't right. care. It's fear of a brown right. border. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. right. <laughs> <Yes>. Pastor, <laughs> you want to jump in? December. Well, it is what it is. The last part, what you said, is really the crux of it to me. To me, them brown people, them brown people. That's it. Are illegal. Mm -hmm. These other people, eh, not so much. They overstayed you know visas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have because never. That, that I, ain't never, illegal. I, I always say, when have you ever heard Fox News or Donald Trump call a white lawbreaker an yeah. illegal? That's I have right. only heard no, that word those, used. They call those hostages. <laughs> I have oh, only man. heard the word illegal used on brown people who crossed a border that I don't think God recognizes. But I've never heard a Timothy McVeigh, I mean, Jeffrey Dahmer. They were never called mm -hmm. illegals. You got it. Right. It's a slur because wetback went out of style. That's right. Yeah. It, you, you said it. You said it. I want to I throw a scripture out there because, Please. you know. Evangelicals. So, <laughs> Matthew 23, this is one that reminds me of this situation. Woe to you, and this is the one I quote in my book too, The Church and Go to Hell. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. And this is what the GOP is as a whole, as far as I'm yep. concerned. For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters. Mm. The weightier, the scriptures say this matters more. And what yeah. is the scripture pointing to that matters more? Justice and mercy and faith. And as far as I'm concerned, it says these you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. And mm -hmm. as far as I'm concerned, they all, the whole party to me is, is not focused on the weightier matters. They don't care about justice. Correct. They don't care about, so when you say Black Lives Matter, that's offensive because I don't care about justice. So yeah. I try to water that down by saying all lives matter. Of course, all lives matter. Why does it bother you if I say Black Lives Matter? All Skittles matters too. You <laughs> mad that I like the pink ones better? What's uh, wrong with you? you I always say, saying? but if, if all lives really mattered, we wouldn't need a Black Lives Matter movement. That's right. They're not angry that's that some, they're not angry that some groups need more protection. They're angry yeah. that some groups ask for more protection. That's what pisses them off. You better preach, Pastor Fugelzang. And then oh if, all, if, black, if Black Lives Matter pulled up at the Capitol and busted out windows and busted down doors and pissed and shit in the hallways and stole stuff out of Nancy Pelosi's office and beat people over the head with flags, I promise you they would not be categorized as hostages. I don't know. Are they wearing brown? Are they wearing tan, are they wearing tan suits? Are they, they wearing tan? 
I gotta know if these if these writers wearing tan suits because that 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 really seals it for me. Are they in tan yeah, they suits in. or? Yeah, <laughs> Dylan Cruz. I want to bring you into this because tan suit. <laughs> I want to. I want. I wonder if you can talk to us a bit about the historical context of Latin American migration to the U.S. Since, in fairness, ancestrally, these folks have been here a lot longer than us honkies. Yeah, that's true. One of one of the things that the right wing is really trying to do is a war on history. Mm. And and I because I have a history background with my undergraduate degree, I follow a lot of historians and you see this all the time on social media, this push by the right wing sort of Christian nationalists to talk about the left wing indoctrination by telling the truth about history. So mm. let's just I'm going to try to keep this brief. So we have uh, the U.S. Marines in Nicaragua from 1912 to 1933. I brought up Smedley Butler on this show before because he was actively involved throughout Central America and the Caribbean, uh, helping big banks and big oil and all kind of big companies keep their profits. Then let's fast forward to 1951. Jacobo Arbenz was elected as the second reformist president of Guatemala. And what he did was he tried to get the United Fruit Company, today's Chiquita Bananas, uh, to pay the value that their accountants said was how much the land that they weren't using was worth. They had all this land and none of the peasants had land. So he said, "Okay, I'm taking back that land and I'm going to redistribute it to the poor and I'm going to pay you the value of it. And Henry Cabot Lodge and John Foster Dulles and Charles Dulles were like, nope, that's going to take profits out of American pockets. This was the first CIA-backed coup in the, in Central America, in the world. So mm-hmm. they installed Castillo. Well, we got Armas better at it. A, we got better at it. Oh, yeah, we got we, better we, at we, it. We took this show to Iran. These were just the tryouts here, but go on, please. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, this was the blueprint for throughout Latin America and the world to use. And it failed at the Bay of Pigs, but pretty much everywhere else it it worked. Mm -hmm. Then you have NAFTA in 1994 and the United States agribusiness just floods Mexico with corn. That displaces peasants. So where do they go? They come north because they're seeking asylum because millions of people throughout Central America have been brutalized by dictators that the United States propped up. Mm -hmm. And here is a hard truth. This happens under Democrats. This happens under Republicans, because we don't really care about the human rights issues as a national foreign policy unless the U.S. gets something out of it. It's always a fucking Faustian bargain with these people. We don't even have it reported on our media unless there's a way for the U.S. to get something out of it at some point. I mean, exactly. (laughs) So. That's the historical context, and that's why people are coming. And they're often fleeing violent regimes. And now you have you've had COVID and climate change that has created even more refugees. Well, guess who's one of the biggest emitters of carbon-based pollution? The United States of America. So the U.S. has created this problem. And today I read the Biden and Harris administration's whole report on the root causes of Latin American migration. They never once, not one time, did they mention U.S. military and economic interventions in Latin America. 
Mm. Not once. Really? Do they mention mm-hmm. the American-led drug war, which is funding so much of the violence and which is causing no. so much of these people to flee because they're afraid for their lives? I mean, I- I'm a opinion, legalize everything, decriminalize everything, tax the hell out of it, and put the cartels out of business. Like mm. Portugal yeah. did. Yeah. yeah. Portugal legalized almost every drug, and they now have lower rates of use than damn near everywhere. Mm-hmm. Wow. What a Christian solution. By the way, guys, if you want to join the conversation, we are at 866-997-4748, 866-997-GRIT. But Keith, you said it. Trump won Iowa based on the issue of illegal immigration. Because for those who don't know, Iowa is a border state. It rests right on the border of Mexico, and thousands are crossing into Iowa every day. Um, it, it just works. It's fear of a brown border does it time and time again. They have nothing to offer except umbrage and fear. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And again, like we were saying, uh, as I was saying earlier, this fear is invented, right? This fear that, oh, the immigrants are coming to take your jobs, they're coming. And the the proof is that they're not. Objectively, they are not taking your job. I'm sorry, hang on, Keith. I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm seeing so rude to interrupt you so many times. But if you lose your job to someone with no papers, no license, who can't speak English, dude, yeah. we should deport you. You deserve right. to lose your job <laughs> to someone you like that. You deserve to lose that <laughs> job, exactly. If, <laughs> sorry, you know, like sorry, who can't Keith. can't speak I'm... the language, yes, could, take your, could do your job better. Uh, yeah, the pro- that's your problem. But, so it doesn't matter, right? Uh, evangelical Christians in Iowa and elsewhere are convinced this is a big issue. This is probably one of the main reasons evangelical conservatives uh, are going to vote for Trump, because they believe this is the most important issue. This is the big threat, right? The hordes that are coming across. The oh, border. that's it. That's it. And and but again, it's like we we can objectively demonstrate that that is not the case. It's not true. The, the numbers do not carry that bury that uh, that idea out. And it's like, here's the thing, uh, it's in, it's almost inevitable at this point, right, that Trump is going to win the nomination. I can't imagine what's going to derail this. I think we're watching this slow motion car wreck. Trump is going to win the nomination. It's going to be a Biden-Trump election. And it's going to be a repeat of what we saw before. I mean, again, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Um, if we believe that this time around, Trump is going to behave differently when he loses the election, and let's hope he does, He's still going to claim it's a rigged election. That's great. He's still going to claim. And Good. now what's going to happen is he's going to learn from the mistakes of the last insurrection and say, how can we make this one more successful? And there are people committed to helping him make sure that, that does happen. And I don't want to let, let citizen Trump plan. Let him plan his next insurrection when he runs again when he's 81. I am fine with that. Garrett, 82. I'm fine with that outcome, Keith. Pl- yeah. Let him pl- as long as he doesn't have the job and isn't hiring judges. I'm totally OK with him planning anything he wants. <laughs> Right. But again, I just think we need to be prepared for that. We need to be emotionally, psychologically, uh, in every way prepared for what's going to happen when he plays the same cards again. And there are people with weapons, with plans who are want to want to storm the Capitol, want to overthrow uh, a fair election. Uh, are we prepared for that? I hope we are, um, because I think we should expect that that is what's going to happen. Let me ask you about about Trump, <laughs> Pastor Rose. I mean, what kind of feedback are your are your uh members of your community giving you about this guy? I, I, like, like, do people really think he can win? What do your parishioners say? I, well, I don't have any parishioners. Right, at the moment you don't, no, but... <laughs> yeah, but the what people, is your the What people, is your, what is your yeah. spiritual community... What does your spiritual community say about Come Over Caligula? <laughs> I, I think, from what I gather, everyone is just freaking exhausted with this yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. There's so much... There's Trump fatigue. I don't know what we want to yeah. call it. That's um, Trump we, fatigue we is good. We're fucking tired. 
Trump, there's, <laughs> there's Trump fatigue. Tired of hearing his name for the past however many years now. Tired of seeing his face. Tired of hearing that foolishness and that rambling babble that he does. And then he is, it's, it's, the media has to report on him because of who he is, what he's doing, what position he is, and the impact that he may have to the country. But if this man didn't have this name and this money and this color skin, this would be a homeless, rambling, drunk uncle right. with a tinfoil hat. Literally, if you yeah. take away this man's name, if you take away this man's money, if you take away this man's skin color, if you take away this man's connections and the position that he held, this is your crazy drunk uncle at Thanksgiving rambling that everybody's like, don't mind him. Just, you, know, <laughs> you know what I'm in saying? Fair, yeah, but in he fairness, you, you 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 can take away his skin color with a hot shower. It's spray. It washes right <laughs> off. Yeah, he, that's he, true. That's true. Yeah. He got a whole nother color that God didn't have nothing to do with. But but if you take if you take his words and put his words in somebody else's mouth, a, a homeless guy on the corner with a long beard with an unkept hair, and put and they'll they'll walk right on by the dude. He's oh, listen, I got a homeless guy. No, I got a homeless guy in my corner saying, "Grab him by the pussy right now." And and yeah, I'm just saying. But I was I'm like, "Hey, saying. in Alabama, you could run on that, bro." Um, <laughs> could, hey, it could work for you. It could work for you. You know what I'm saying? And the fact that there's so many people, I think, uh, what's his name? Ted Cruz um, yeah. with his rat looking at Ted Cruz, <laughs> get on TV and say, you know, it's over. We just need to call it the other candidate after one state vote. Seriously. Yeah. 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 Where, where was that? Where was that energy when you was running, fool? You you didn't say that when when Iowa voted, when you was running. Ted Cruz but, beat Donald Trump in Iowa last time. Uh -huh. He is just a eunuch at this point. Before we yeah. before we go to break, though, let me let me throw this by you, Dylan, because uh, same question. You know, I think that uh, December's right. People just have Trump fatigue. Ninety three percent. I mean, of, of Republicans in Iowa didn't bother to vote for him. I think we're all sick of it. I think a lot of folks will come down to voting against Trump, but I've I've kind of decided I'm I refuse to get anxious and worried about it this year. I, I just I don't have it in me. I have it in me to fight. I have it in me to vote, have it in me to do this and talk about it every night. I don't have it in me to ever feel a sense of existential dread over Donald Trump again. I just I can't I can't do it. Emma is is, well, is, is that misplaced? Am I being reckless or, or should I be more terrified? From the true believers, the Trumpian true believers frighten me because they're divorced from reality, for one thing. And they can lap up all that xenophobic rhetoric because of what I mentioned about that war on history. So he can just, because they don't know the history or and they feel like anything that a, a telling of true history is leftist indoctrination, yeah. then, then he can just keep hitting those fucking racist, fascist, bigoted high notes all the time. And they just lap it up like a dog with an ice cream cone that's hit the fucking floor. So <laughs> I, I don't know. Like I, it feels like Sisyphus pushing the rock up every day. It's like, God damn it. Can we get this rock Love to go it. over Love the it. hill this time Love so it. that Trump is done? Yeah. But it's, well, he is frightening. He is frightening because well, his is. believers are frightening people. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's I it. And I mean, more frightening. I'm sorry, Jimmy. What's more frightening, because Trump cannot be who he is and have the impact that he's having without the people, without the enablers. Oh, of course. Without exactly. the of Republican course. Party, without the people that's voting for him, without yeah, but that's, cult that's the racket, that's the racket, December. That's the racket. crazy. Yes. Yeah. yeah and people like Roger but, Stone are calling for the assassination of, of Democrats. I mean, again, these are the people surrounding him. 
But the yes. bad presidents take all of that heat. When George W. Bush left office, everyone who enabled him stayed in power, and we all put all the blame on Bush. But everyone who made Bush, who made that war, who made that economic crash, mm-hmm. they yeah. stayed right in D.C. and made life hell for Obama. we got to hit a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to ask you guys, what does the Bible say about illegal immigration? And uh, we'll be back in a moment with the God Squad, the greatest spiritual group of Christian theologians who also use the F word a lot. But we don't say it in Aramaic, so it wouldn't offend Jesus. We'll be right back. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hey all, Glenn Kirshner here. Friends, I hope you'll join me on my audio podcast, Justice Matters. We talk about not only the legal issues of the day, but we also talk about the need to reform ethics in our government. Here's one example, the oath of office. You know the one. I do solemnly swear to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Let's add 22 words to that oath. Quote, And I will promptly report any instances of crime and or corruption by government officials and employees of which I become aware. Friends, our democracy is worth fighting for. Join us in this fight. Because justice matters. Look for Justice Matters wherever you ordinarily find your podcasts. Welcome back to SiriusXM Progress. Among our fabulous guests in the next few days, Marianne Williamson will return. Some of you will be mad about this. We taped an interview today with one of the most legendary supermodels, a woman who is so cool. I don't like the term supermodel because I think it limits her. But um, Miss Beverly Johnson, the first black woman to grace the cover of Vogue magazine, has a new one-woman show out. And it's written and directed by the guy who did Carrie Fisher's Broadway show. And she joined us today for a conversation where we covered everything from Vogue to her Me Too accusations against Cosby. Be sure to watch for that. It was one of the best conversations we've had on this show all of 2024 so far. Right now, let's get back to our guests. We are with the God Squad. Oh, my God. These people make me feel okay talking about spirituality again. Keith Giles, December Rose Waddleton, and Dylan Cruz. Before we went to the break, I asked all of you if you could tell us when we came back, what does the Bible say, Old Testament or New Testament, about immigration, illegal or legal or borders or anything? Anyone? Yeah. Well, there's a lot. Yeah. Go ahead. Who who wants to go first? There's there's a lot of places in the Bible that talk and this is one of those things that evangelicals like to say the bible is clear 
And then a lot of times it's not true. But in terms of immigration, it is absolutely true. Extremely. It says it in the Hebrew Bible. It says it in the New Testament. You treat the immigrant as one of your own. Mm -hmm. Period. Mm -hmm. I wrote a piece for for my blog, and then it went on the the Choir Patheos blog. Let's get biblically literal about immigration because of people like Greg Abbott and Mike Johnson. That's Leviticus. Time after time. It's their favorite book. Yes, the, Leviticus. It's the book the gay hater. The gay haters love they to quote it. it. And that's the one line of it they've read. Just like they've read one line of one Martin Luther King speech, they pick one line of Leviticus they're going to use and they cling to it. But yep. Jesus says the same thing, does he not, Keith, in December? Oh, absolutely. Jesus says, in Matthew yeah. 25, the commandment to welcome the stranger. Yeah, I was a stranger and you invited me in. And if whatever you've done to the least, you've done it to me. So Jesus shows solidarity with these immigrants and says, the, the way you treat them is the way you would treat me. And uh, and they're failing. I just say I think they're failing. Evangelical conservative Christians are failing in this area. And like you said, yeah, it's uh, it's an exodus. Do not oppress a foreigner. You yourselves know that's how right. it feels to be foreigners because you were foreigners in Egypt. In the land of Egypt. Yep. Yeah, that's right. And so, yeah, like like Dylan said, it's all through. You know, what's funny is a few years ago, Franklin Graham literally said that um, immigration was not a biblical issue. It's like, really? Oh, dude? Have you yeah, well, not you know, read the Bible? Like Dylan said, like, dude, you can't read the Old Testament without reading. <laughs> that these is kinds so of the it's, word abortion never appears in the yeah. Bible once. But immigration is not a biblical political issue. <laughs> I know. I was like, are, dude, are you kidding me? Where, where does the Bible say, though? What does the Bible say if you if you discover another country in 1400 years and slaughter the indigenous people, then you can create invisible lines in the ground and God will appreciate your border? Does it have that anywhere in the Bible? <laughs> no, no, but if you take your Bible that. to them, they'll probably write it in there for you. <laughs> <laughs> one of the scriptures you mentioned Leviticus and there's yeah. a beautiful scripture in Leviticus to this effect the alien and this is you know this is one translation it probably says a stranger or something else another. the alien who resides with you shall be to you as the citizen among you you shall mm-hmm. love the alien as yourself right. I mean, for you were aliens in the land of Egypt and then this is what I like um, and I don't think you know I'm one of those people who pay attention to punctuation and things like that. There's no, a quote in there. And then it says, I mean, uh, yeah, it says, I am the Lord, your God. Now, I'm wondering why did it seem necessary to Mic say drop. that after that Mic drop. But for things for things like this? But that's because I right? need to remind you that this is coming from me. I need to remind yeah. you that it's coming from on high. I need to remind you who I am so you can remember who you are. And so yeah. when you look into the eyes of the immigrant, you need to see yourself. And I need to remind oh, you who you are. I made him, I made her, and I made you. And I need to remind you that I am the Lord, your God. This is the command that I'm giving you as a God, as the God you say you believe in. Now, if I'm not the Lord, your God, just say that. Yeah. Now again, Amen. none of us, Let's none of us that, are, then. none of us are calling for no borders. None of us are calling for people to come in freely without any kind of registration or anything like that. This is right. talking about what Nobody the Bible does. actually says about a group that the loudest so-called Christians in this country can't stop smearing and stereotyping and demonizing. It's not right. saying that everyone should be able to come in unfettered. We fine. We should yes, go ahead, deport people if they're wrong, but. <laughs> If you claim to follow the Bible, it's really, really simple. And and again, Jesus and his family were refugees in Egypt when he was a kid. They sought refuge, period. Uh, Keith, I want to ask you, though, about something. You know, uh, 
do you you know people are people like to say that Donald Trump's the antichrist? I don't think that's true. I think Christ is the anti-Trump. But do you have thoughts on this? Because you were talking about the antichrist before, and I, I kind of—I I don't really know if I—if I'm that. Conv- I think the antichrist really believed in things. Donald Trump—he would say he was the antichrist if he could get sex or pay for it, but I don't think he actually is. What? What, what do you think? Right. Well, I, I do love your line, John, and I, I've quoted it. Uh, I, I attribute you, but that, the line that. You know, not that you're saying that Trump is the Antichrist, but Christ is definitely the anti-Trump. I totally yeah. agree with that. Um, okay. But I just think it's so funny. Again, like if you're an evangelical Christian and you are like sort of like wanting this theocracy, you want this biblical, quote unquote, biblical worldview uh, to be the lens through which we govern our nation and, and, and pass laws and all that stuff. It's like, well, OK, if you believe all this, then when you go to the Bible and you look at the scripture and you see like, well, who is this Antichrist supposed to be? Um, Trump sort of ticks every box, right? Um, <laughs> he's supposed to be the lawless one, you know, Second Thessalonians, Thessalonians chapter two. Yeah, I think that's uh, the lawless one, you know, all these indictments. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, is he is he a boaster, right? Does he speak often of his own greatness? Oh, yes. Daniel chapter oh, seven. Okay. Um, yeah, he, fair, he definitely fair. Does. Is he an arrogant one? Is is Trump arrogant? Yes. Revelations 13. Yeah. That's what that's what he is. Is he a pathological liar? Oh, hell yes. <laughs> Daniel 8, 12. Uh, here's a great one. Is he a builder of towers? Wow. Yes. At least one that I can think of. Um, does he routine, routinely break treaties? Daniel 9, 27. Does he demand worship constantly? Yes. Um, you know, is he deceitful? Does, uh, you know, is he, is he trying to lure the church to follow him and making them false promises uh, in, in 2 Corinthians 11 or Matthew 24? You're yes. starting to scare me. All of those yeah. things, like he checks every box, you know, right? Is he a man of sin? Second Thessalonians 2, 3. Does he brag that he's the chosen one? Yes, he's done that. Second Thessalonians 2, 4. But isn't the Antichrist the son of Satan? Trump's just the son of a wealthy Klansman. <laughs> I guess it depends on your, your definition. Maybe he doesn't check. On how you look at it. Maybe he doesn't check every box, but he okay. checks enough boxes that it should cause you concern. I would think if you're an evangelical conservative, just take a little step back and reevaluate, like really try to look at Trump from an objective perspective and say, huh, uh, it, I think it should trouble you how many of these boxes that Trump uh, manages to check. <laughs> Doesn't the Antichrist die in the end? he's not Antichrist, but he is anti-Christian. No, right. Absolutely. That's that's my whole that's my whole thesis all the time. I'm always telling my right wing brothers and sisters, people on social media, callers here, give me one teaching of this Jesus y'all claim so loudly is on your side this jesus you wave around like a prop this savior who's really more of a mascot give me one teaching of his that this guy has ever fought for give me one teaching of jesus the republican party has fought for in the last 40 years friends this is how i always find out how little people have actually read the bible i mean it's astonishing the louder the christian the less they've read the book that's right there you go there you go Mm. actually if christ were walking the earth trump would be berating him he we would he would literally uh, woke jesus is back everybody woke jesus he's 33 <laughs> hangs out with 12 guys never got married i'm just saying crooked christ says he's born in bethlehem but he calls himself jesus of nazareth where's he born people we don't know which one is it we don't know the hands the hands we don't know i try to do good hand work on the radio he a birther movement on a whole on a whole other level. <laughs> oh, my God. Jesus, son of God. I don't know. How can you be from Bethlehem if you're Jesus of Nazareth? Think about this, people. We don't know where it's from. <laughs> Nobody knows. 
Oh my Absolutely. gosh. Oh my gosh. He, he, he's anti-Christian. I don't yeah. believe he's the antichrist, <clears throat> although he checks enough boxes to, to make you wonder. But he is anti-Christian. But here's the thing about it. The whole entire GOP is anti-Christian to me right now. Yeah. In the words of the right reverend Snoop Doggy Dog, these bitches ain't shit but hoes and tricks. Mm. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> because they hoeing and they tricking. And what does mm-hmm. that even mean? What does that even mean? They have sold themselves for this man. And they're flipping yeah. tricks on Fox News and Newsmax and everywhere the hell else to get this man in office or to stay themselves in power. And a lot of them don't believe a goddamn thing he's saying. But they know if they go against him, they lose their own base, which means they lose their own seat at the table. And rather than have any kind of spine, any kind of courage, any kind of integrity, any kind of righteousness, any kind of identity and ownership of themselves, their own standards and their own moral compass, Mm-hmm. They they default and acquiesce to this bullshit because these bitches ain't shit but hoes and tricks, and I'm going to stand by that. As a Christian, I just want to point out to the listeners that bitches ain't shit but hoes and tricks is actually a lyric by Dr. <laughs> Dre and not Dr. Snoop Dogg. It's very Thank important you. that we we will not be putting any disinformation out on the air. That is a we Dr. Gotta, Dre we gotta lyric. Keep it, we got to be accurate. And I think he actually meant well, it about uh, Eddie. He meant it about George Bush Senior and Dan Quayle at the time. Uh, Dylan, I th- I think she's exactly <laughs> right. I mean, I, about the rap, not about the rap Dr. lyrics, Dre. but Deacon Dr. Dre now. <laughs> Deacon Dr. Dre. Deacon Dr. I, I, Dre. I think she's exactly right. I mean, uh, Christians are enraged when you actually ask them about the book they claim to follow. But we have to at this point. These people aren't just hijacking a religion anymore. They're hijacking our democracy. And I think that we have to thump Bible thumpers with the Bible because it's their camouflage. We have to take it away and not let them hide behind this veneer of piety. Well, that's right. Jesus said you can't put a lamp on a lampstand and have it not light up the whole room. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to light up, you know, to shine some light on some on some really dark things. And the thing about the Antichrist, whether or not it's a literal one person thing or not, is immaterial in my theological opinion, because Trump literally embodies everything that is polar opposite of Jesus. Now, let's think just just take the wealth question. One of the first things that Trump said when he was running is the great thing about me is that I'm rich. Mm. Well, (laughs) Jesus had a lot to say about how easy it was going to be for people who loved their wealth to get into the kingdom of something, heaven. Something, something, eye of needle. Something, something. Right. Camel and an eye of needle. And yeah. then you have the jellyfish party, uh, the the GOP, that jellyfish don't have spines. Um, so oh, I got they, it. They, they will not, as December said, stand up. Mike Johnson said that he can't wait for the regime change. And he was talking about Biden. And this yep. clown wants to set up a theocratic government. That is exactly. a regime. Now, as much as I will criticize the entire organ of the United States government because of its long history of siding with the wrong people, Saddam Hussein, Manuel Noriega, anybody, Somoza, mm-hmm. And Latin Henry Kissinger. America. Yeah. Yeah. Henry Kissinger. Exactly. <laughs> the GOP's whole program now is racist based fascism. I agree. We have to hit a quick break. Can y'all stay with us for some final thoughts at the end? 
And I want to ask you about, <laughs> about the Speaker of the House as well. Guys, if you're on hold, don't go anywhere. We'll be back in just a moment. We're weekly now. You guys are on every Wednesday. I love this. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on Progress. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hey, everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on, because you know I love it when you do. And we are back with the God Squad, progressive Christians, not afraid to call out the right wing. And not afraid to say the word fuck when talking about progressive Christianity. Uh, Keith Giles, Dylan Cruz, December Rose. Let me ask you for some final thoughts on how our listeners can follow you. Dylan, let me begin with you. Well, just as a final thought, I'm going to look at the uh, epistle to the Hebrews, which is not really a letter, but that's what they call it, to undermine the Republican Party in sort of five verses. Let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to stranger and For by doing, some have entertained angels unaware. Remember those who are in prison as though you were in prison with them, those who were being tortured as though you yourselves were being tortured. Let marriage be held in honor by all, Donald, and let the marriage bed be kept undefiled. Keep your lives free from the love of money. (laughs) Woke. Ouch, GOP. Woke, woke, Jesus. Woke Bible. (laughs) How 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 do we follow you, Dylan? Uh, Google uh, Dylan Neighbor Cruz. I'm on Twitter and you can find both my books on Amazon. Brilliant. Uh, Keith Giles, how do we follow you and uh, what are your final thoughts? Uh, Well, final thought, I'll just say quickly. um, I think it's obvious that the deepest divide in American Christianity is not between Protestants and Catholics or even between conservatives and progressives, uh, but between those who are committed to a Christ-like ethic of love that includes everyone and people who are committed to exploiting the name of Jesus to create more power and privilege for themselves. 
Boom. Um, when, when you have a quote unquote Christian governor, I live in Texas and you have Governor Abbott quick, quick. as a mm-hmm. Christian, right, saying that um, if we could, we would assassinate people, immigrants coming across the border. But we, you know, we can't do that because those fuddy duddies, you know, uh, oh, federal just Joe would... Biden doesn't like murder. Yeah. That's what a great right. guy. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, uh, exactly. Keith, how do we follow you really quick? Yeah, uh, KeithChiles.com is my blog. I am also on um, all the socials, and I'm on Heritage Happy Hour podcast and my personal podcast, Second Cup with Keith. December Rose, the last 20 seconds are yours. What's your final thought? My final thought is in just that little break, I had a, a meeting on trial with the black delegation and decided not to revoke my black card for misquoting Dr. Dre. I just wanted to let y'all know that I had the triumphant victory in the court there in that little time. But this is my quote and also in honor of um, MLK Jr. We can we just we just came. We're out of time. I'm so back. sorry, Pastor. Forgive me. We've got to hit a break. We'll start with it next week. We'll be right back. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to SiriusXM. I'm John Fugelsang. As you may have heard, it's been exactly 50 years since Beverly Johnson made history as the first black woman to appear on the cover of American Vogue. She's gone on to grace the covers of more than 500 magazines. She's worked in theater. She's worked in TV. She's rubbed elbows with some of the most fascinating entertainers of the last half century, from Ella Fitzgerald to Elizabeth Taylor, all before becoming a hero in the Me Too movement. And now she is telling her story, but not in a cheesy TV documentary or a memoir someone else wrote. She's doing something that very few public figures of her stature have the talent, discipline, and energy to do. She has written and is performing her highly acclaimed solo show, Beverly Johnson in Vogue, which is co-written with Josh Ravitch, who also co-created and directed Carrie Fisher's incredible solo show on Broadway, Wishful Drinking. And the show's a very creative, nonlinear live biography. It is as original as Ms. Johnson herself. And it's not just her story. She bookends the monologue with portraits of other pioneering Black women who broke cultural boundaries. Beverly Johnson in Vogue is at 59 East 59 Theaters in New York through February 4th. It is a great pleasure to welcome someone I don't even like to call a supermodel because she is so much more. Happy New Year, Miss Beverly Johnson. Thank you so much. And thank you for that introduction. I'm going to I want to play it for Josh Ravitch. I mean, oh. you really are very knowledgeable about this this medium. It's it's really refreshing to hear. Thank you. Well, thank you. It's something that I've grown up in, and it's something that uh, I'm a stand-up, but I've done solo theater for years, and I'm so thrilled you wanted to tell your story this way. It's it's not an easy discipline to master. It's really easy to do a bad solo show, and I, I got to say, few cultural figures of your stature 
are up for something like this. And you've done something as creative, I think, as what Bruce Springsteen did. How was this project conceived, Ms. Johnson? Was this originally your idea or did someone pitch this to you? So, so Josh Ravage is my friend for 35 years. And he, he was the first put, person to put me on stage. And we did this incredible um, show called Love Acts. And it was about a, a black woman who owned a motel and, and she worked in a motel. But anyways, it, 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 it was just such a huge success for, for me. And we've remained friends ever since. And I see him doing Carrie Fisher's with some Jenkins and Dick Van Dyke and Diane Nyad and all these amazing people. I said, what are you going to do a one-woman show about me? He said, well, well okay, so well, tell me about it. And then he said, oh, I love that story. Oh, I love that story. And we put it together together. And we we took it to Hollywood, a uh, 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 a little place in Hollywood. And it just like flew. I mean, it was like a work workshop. And it just, and we were so excited and it was so exhilarating. And then we took it, I live in Palm Springs and to the cultural center up there with 500 seats and it just took off. And I'm going, what am I going to do for my 50th anniversary, you know, the Vogue cover and I, what, what could I possibly do? I mean, I mean, and he, behind my back, called 59 East 59th because he's at other productions there. Great theater. And he said, and I'm in the I'm in the dentist's office, right? And he said, "Are you sitting down?" I said, "I am." I said, "But I know when he says that, I have to get out of the the chair." I said, "Excuse me, I'm so sorry. I got to take that on my mind." Anyways, and I go outside. He says, "59 East 59th. So it's an off Broadway theater. Wants to do Beverly Johnson. We called it uh, Naked at the time, but we had changed the name to In Vogue." And I was just screaming and screaming and whatever. And I said, "Perfect." Perfect birthday present celebration of the 50th anniversary. And so that's how it all started. It's great. And it's a great place for theater. It's a great place for solo shows as well. Um, and I find it amazing that that you and Josh piece the whole show together. I'm curious yes. about that because was he very hands-on in terms of constructing the narrative? Uh, I'm, I'm very fascinated. Every, your, your show is deliberately unchronological. Yes, that's his that's his mastery. I mean, he's he's literally a one person show genius I mean, he comes from a very you know incredible background uh you know the hud for the ravage family they did movies like tud and norma ray and whatever so he i mean it's in his blood but um but he had a full-time job all this time but anyways he's he's just he's just a a, a one person show genius i mean he's it's just in his i i, I can't explain it any other way I have to put a quarter on the table every time he gets a new idea. So I've lost a lot of money. <laughs> he's, mm -hmm. he's just, and he's wonderful to work with. He's my best friend. I've, I know he's going to take good care of me. And the things that he does and comes and creates and, and, you know, I've done, you know, a lot of television things and movies or whatever. And the directors, and I always, I always thought, what do they do? The directors, they really do, you know, but he directs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he says, no, we're going to do this. I know it doesn't sound like it's going to be any, but the payoff is going to be genius. And every time he's right. I love that. I mean, it's the director who makes it theater and not just a lecture. But I, I have to imagine that you had already had years of experience telling some of these stories. You already knew yeah. in your own voice how you wanted to express them. That must have made the writing process a lot easier. Yes, I did a memoir with um, Simon Schuster. Yes. 
and the, the face that changed it all. And I did it with a journalist because I sat down, I told her my story and she wrote it up right away. So it, it, we, we put the whole thing together in like three months. So right it wasn't on. a long drawn out kind of thick, it's just, it's just story and, you know, uh, Bob Marley, the devil and me, you know, with those kind of chapters. Um, and, and so he never even looked at the book. He never even, I don't even think he read the book. It was just him and I sitting down and I'm going, you know, yeah, I used the MF word and that's how I got out of there. He's going, oh, talking about Cosby. Yeah. And that was the only thing that saved me was my big mouth. Because she was like, mm -hmm. get her out of here, you know? And uh, and so he, so it was more personal for, for Joshua and I. Yeah. Well, I mean, the show begins with that word, and you called Bill Cosby that word, and that's how the show begins. What yes. did it mean to you to be able, and what does it mean to you to be able to tell that story every night in front of an audience. I'm really fascinated because you you cover some really painful episodes in your illustrious life and career here. And I'm wondering what has it done for you as a as a a healing tool to be able yeah. to tell stories over and over again. Yeah, because it's really I mean, you know, no matter how many, you know, regular interviews that you do, you know, um you, you know, I can I can actually just like talking to you, you know what I mean? Like, you know, we're having lunch or whatever and really being able to tell you exactly what that moment was you know um and 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 how i i mean just naturally reacted and how you know he you know became afraid of me because i guess he wasn't used to that kind of reaction and and how i had an angel on my shoulder that that i, that I wasn't raped i mean the, the, i mean it's just like and so how could I stay quiet when it, now I'm seeing it come out? I knew I couldn't have been the only one on the spot. Yeah. I knew I couldn't have been the only one. But in, in, in life, you need, you need leverage for truth sometimes. You can't just say it anytime because it's not, nobody, first of all, nobody's going to listen and it's not going to yeah. do any good. So I, 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 I felt that, um, and also a lot of other things, I, I, I just, it, I just had to tell my story. I had to stand with these women. I had to, because oh. it happened to me. I mean, how could I be quiet? You have said that sexual abuse is a global dynamic, and, and, and I agree with you. And the story, I'll never forget when you first came out and told it, that, that Cosby had, had allegedly, he gave you a cup of coffee, and you drank it, and you realized you were drugged, and you got out of there without being raped. And then, of course, years later, you hear that that is his M.O. Do you think Bill Cosby really believed he could get away with doing that to you, to a, a celebrity of your stature? Yeah, he did it. He tried. At least he tried. Insane. He tried his best. I mean, he, and I'm sure, you know, he didn't stop after that. He of just, course. you know, just, you know, it was rampage, you know, and thank God he, he's been stopped. Yeah. We think. Yeah. We, we, we certainly hope, you know, it, it's amazing to me how much you do share and, and how much you take us inside this world. Um, and from what you've said uh, concerning modeling and drugs, I, I got to say it, 
it, it seems like the cocaine was not recreational, but it was profoundly work-related when you were totally. getting right? Oh, totally. It's, it's our Ozempic, is it called? Yeah, yeah. It's our Ozempic of the day. That's, what <laughs> I, that's exactly what it was. Japanese Ozempic, you're right. And, and remember, it wasn't addictive. Mm-hmm. Right. They told you it was you everyone knew it wasn't addictive and this is how you stayed skinny. Yes, that's how we stayed skinny. I mean, because you know, you, you know, of course I'm you know tall, flat chested, and skinny uh, naturally, but when you get older, you you know, you start to develop, you know, and that you couldn't do that in the modeling world. You had to remain a clothes hanger, and that's how you remain a clothes hanger. What was your food diet like during this time? I ate a bowl of brown rice and two soft boiled eggs every two weeks. I'll never understand how you functioned. I'll never understand how you looked so gorgeous and healthy. Because it's, it's one dimension. It's this way. I remember my mom, I went home, which was rare, one day and I'm in the bathtub and she comes in the bathroom. I'm like, what are you doing? She grabs me out of the shower, out of, out of the bathtub. I'm sopping wet. And she marches me all the way to her room. And she had a three-way mirror. And she stood me in front of it. And she says, look at yourself. And I was like, because you never see yourself. Yeah. I mean, I saw every book. And that was a wake-up call for me. I mean, I, I, I think I put on like 10 pounds. <laughs> and you've, never, you've been sober 50 years, right? 40 years. 40, 40 years. years. I yes. mean, amazing. And to me, it brings it back to like, the fact that it's got to be joyful and healing to put these experiences and this pain into words and to share it on stage and to have people laugh and applaud and nod their heads and for your story to resonate with others. You, you revisit some very painful moments in your life. What was the hardest part of your life to revisit and turn into gold? Because that's what artists do, right? Turning pain into gold. What was the hardest part for you to revisit and make art out of? Uh, without a doubt, losing custody of my child and talking about the man that I had married and, and, and the world I, I was involved with, that, that I'm blessed that I, I survived. That I, I mean, it's, it's, I could just go on and on. It, it's blessed that I, I got out of that room because you just, you don't get out of it, especially when you have somebody telling them that she knows this, she knows that. I know nothing. You know, I married somebody that, was a part of the underworld, part of the mob. Yeah. And he was a black man. Oh, it was horrible. And the, and the custody battle was not about, you know, anything except for, it, it was a power battle. It was him, all powerful, and me, who had nothing, and made sure I had nothing, because that's how they hook you. You know, they take the money, they take the whatever, you have nowhere to go, but to them. And 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 just the, the fact of, you know, personally of losing custody, but of thinking that my daughter was being told that I didn't want her and, and all that I had to do to be able to see her every day and, and the humiliation that I did going up there every day, no matter what, because he went, hey, hey, you think this girlfriend of mine, you think you can make her a model? Uh, you know, right. and just saying, I'll do whatever I can to, to see my child, you know? And then taking him back to court several times for shaving her head bald and all the stuff that happens that I knew wasn't going to change 
you know, I, I wasn't going to gain custody, but I, I needed to do that because I needed to do it. I was telling the lawyers. I, you I, I try everything you could possibly try and let the record show that everything a mother could do, you exactly. did. Right. And I, my, my conscience was clean. And then finally, she found her voice. She found her voice and said, I want to live with my mother. And that's what happened. She was left alone when she had nannies and whatever. And Danny had started going to, I think he was running out of the country, the Dominicans. And she was left there with the, the maids and the nannies. And I said, you know, you're going to have to for a year. And, you know, I was seeing her, but she had to stay there. And I said, you're going to have to, I said, you want to come live with me? I'm going to, you know, I'm going to Los Angeles. And she said, yeah. I said, you're going to have to tell your father. She said, no, can't you tell him? I said, no, no, no. You're going to have to tell him. And she told him. He said, okay. Just like that. It was all about beating you, wasn't it? It was all about beating you in the moment. The power. The power. The power struggle. And I don't even know. I had no power. But isn't that, isn't that one of the most lonely parts of being a great beauty? That you're hailed for your beauty, and yet you have all these powerful men of influence and charm who just who just want to own it. You know, not about love. They just want to capture a beautiful thing and have it be a piece of their property. And it seems like the hardest part of the kind of fame you carried was knowing who loved you for you. Well, I think you know who loves you for you. I think that, you know, you know, some of the people around me was enamored with this powerful man and thought that it would be, you know, good marriage for me. And I was like, this is an old guy. You know, I'm a young girl. I'm like, and and you you let your guard down. You yeah. you you don't follow what you know is right. And you, you know, because of this insecurity of the model's career only lasting X amount of years, you go for the okie doke. And yeah. that's when you get burned. And I got burned. How has it been for your daughter and your other family members to to see this play and to see you turning this pain into gold and power? It's just, I mean, my daughter, she was just, you know, just in tears. And, 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 and you know, it's not that she hasn't heard these stories over and over. I, I made her read the, tra the transcript of the court, you know, the thing. I still have it, you know. And, I, and, and, and but I think seeing me tell that part of the story to other people, just, you know, people in the audience. And she said, she didn't say she understands me more, but she got it. And now right. that she has a daughter, she's really got it. She, I mean, right. she gets it. She said, I remember she, she was rocking Ava, first child, she, girl. She looked up at me. She said, if David, that was her husband at the time, ever, tried to take this child, he wouldn't make it out alive. She said, I I I I understand now how, what you went through, Mom. What you went through. And we did Beverly's Full House, which was a reality show, it was a constructive reality show about mothers and daughters' relationship. Right. And that was hell. But that really right. got us like like this, because all of that, you know, therapy and, and mothers and daughters and grandmothers were watching that show. It was the number one show on Oprah Winfrey Network. We saved oh, her I network. She yeah. told me she, we saved the network. I would never do that again. That was like, oh, that now that was deep. In Vogue, Beverly Johnson in Vogue is a walk mm -hmm. in the park. That reality, <laughs> that reality show, Beverly's Full House. Yeah. 
But necessary. Yeah, well, I, I did a little work for OWN, and they they there was that whole operation really really ran a tight ship, but they they were really trying a lot, and I, I think you touched a lot of lives with the TV show, but the stage show is just so much more intimate, and it's just you with an audience, no cameras, no editing. It's real theater, it's real storytelling, and I I just have to close by asking you, Miss Johnson, what is your secret to looking like this? Do you just drink? <laughs> and sleep all the time what is oh. the secret is it sleep is it is it diet what how do you do this it's not just jeans i i love to sleep i my my favorite my favorite position is lying down if i could take a picture lying down i mean you know my husband with my boyfriend he's like you're sleeping your life away you, you have a lot of time to sleep when you're dead i said no when you're dead you're dead when you're sleeping you're asleep and you wake up the big difference but no, I um, I'm still very much in the beauty world. I mean, I'm still curious about. It is unbelievable. Who knew that a jar of cream could retard the aging process? I mean, like for real. I and mean, cost the same as an Oldsmobile, and cost the same as a car. Let's exactly. Not leave but, who, but who cares? You can get it, you know. But, <laughs> but, but but it's just I'm just very I'm a curious person. I'm very interested, and in, particularly in beauty, uh, anything in beauty. Home with it, you know. That's I love living in that that little bubble, and so I, I walk the talk as far as my business go. Yeah, well, it's there's not a lot of supermodels who have the wherewithal and the grit to do solo theater and to take the most painful parts of their life and turn it into art. So other people feel less alone. I cannot tell you how much I admire what you're doing. Beverly Johnson in Vogue is at 59 East 59 Theaters through February 4th, 2024. It is such a great pleasure and joy to have you with us. I've always wanted to meet you. And it's an honor to thank you for inspiring so many men out there with your story, Ms. Johnson. Thank you, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. 